0: you guys and welcome back to another episode of Illuminati, the podcast where we drink beer and talk about conspiracy theories my name is john and this is jake and today i'm going to tell you a story about supply chain during the early weeks of the covid pandemic adrian yan needed to wipe his butt it wasn't the first or second week when the battles for the toilet paper were raging at Costco. This was a few weeks later, when all the doo-doo paper was gone. Yan and his family had carefully scoured the shelves during the chaos of the pandemic and found a few rolls to squirrel away. Yan's mother, an old thrifty shopper, kept watch over those rolls like a hawk. But Yan had business to make and a butt to wipe. (laughs) So when he went back to the stash of toilet paper, she was there waiting for him. A struggle broke out. Yan and his mother yanked at the cheap roll of one ply. She yelled at her son. She screamed at him that he used too much toilet paper. Then Yan, who felt he dealt with enough shit, punched his mother in the face. She crashed back into the pantry door and Yan walked away victorious. A clean butt was his prize. (laughs) His mother called the cops and ratted him out, not only for punching her, but also for using too much toilet paper during a shortage. The cops decided that at least one of these things was pretty serious and arrested him on the spot. Today on Berluminati in part two of our infrastructure series We're breaking down the supply chain. How does stuff get from factories to pantries? What challenges do consumers and businesses face when it comes to moving goods? And is the whole thing completely falling apart? Let's find out. But first, let's talk about some beer.
1: Jake, what you drinking? I'm not really sure. (laughs) (laughs) It's something. It, It is something. I... um. I picked up a sour smoothie double cherry tart wheat ale brewed with sweet and tart cherries, vanilla and lactose sour smoothie series. Oh my God. A lot of words. That's so many words. The the taste is as complex as there are as many words in the title. Wow. Okay. Probably because all of those things are in the taste. So, <laughs> it's just so many things <laughs> going on here. It's just a lot. Uh, one thing I didn't know is It says high wire brewing, but then in small type, it says brewed and canned by the three ring brewing company.
2: Okay. They must have had
1: like an LLC or something that. Uh, Yeah, I don't uh know. That's weird. But anyways, this thing comes in at 5.5%. It's it's not the worst beer I've drank. uh, (laughs) That's one way to put it. Yeah. It's pretty tart there, but there's no like, hey, this is cherries. It's just like this thick essence of tartness. Yeah. And then, but not in like a LaCroix, like, hey, grapefruit, you know, and it's not grape, like that. Grape, 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 grapefruit. Yeah, fruit, yeah. Fruit, fruit, fruit. This From is, the other room. This is more like you just kind of like are overwhelmed with the thickness of the drink and you don't know what it tastes like. And then okay. for some reason, they added lactose to this and vanilla. Yeah, it's like, why? And maybe if it was like a, cherry milkshake. I guess I get that idea of something, but this is just, it. it's like drinking frothy NyQuil. Uh, yeah. It's like
0: if you had cherry flavored Pepto-Bismol.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's actually a really good way to put it. Yeah. 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 Not bubble gum. No, no, no. And it's not cherry. like this. It's not like the fake overwhelming cherry flavor. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Cherry Pepto would be a really good way to put it. Okay. So thick. It's like, it just like kind of, it hits you in the back of the throat and just kind of, it doesn't go down your throat. Yeah. It just stays. stays yeah. In your gullet. Ugh, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. I mean, but I'll drink it. Whatever. When you first took a sip on <laughs> it, you're like,
0: oh, that's a horrible aftertaste.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like this weird like copper background to it. Hold on. I'm going to take another sip. Copper. Yeah. So like you swallow and you know, like when you drop something in a, in a boiling pot and then the water goes around whatever you dropped and then it shoots back up at you. So then you get hit with the boiling water. Yeah. That's like this, but with cherry pop, not pop, uh cherry Pepto weird. Yeah. It doesn't go down your throat. It like coats your mouth and then launches itself back up at your taste buds. Weird. Which I mean, you know, I guess some people might be into that, but Yeah. I'm a pass, but it's high wire and high wire does amazing stuff. So yeah, I'll give him a mulligan on this one.
0: Yeah. seems that just seems weird to me. Yeah. Double what? cherry. You get it on the way in and on the way back up <laughs> and
1: you'll probably get some more cherry on the way out. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what is that smell? <laughs> um, What is the very clear liquid you're drinking over there? Oh my God. Not what I expected at all. Yeah. Is that beer
0: or are you... What, no. what do you <laughs> have? Is that a beer? <laughs> no, it's beer. <laughs> so I uh, have seen this in the grocery store a handful of times, and I was like, you know, I haven't drank the normal one of this beer in so long, but I, yeah. you know, eh, basically everybody's drank one, so I think sure. you know what it's supposed to taste like. And then I yeah. saw this, and I was like, oh, this is the same thing, except it has something extra in it. Yeah. Be good, right? Give it a try. Sure. It's not. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what I have is Blue Moon Honey Days, D-A-Z-E. And it says that it is supposed to be a wheat ale brewed with orange peel and clover honey added. So crafted with real clover honey, apparently. And it basically looks just like one of the 12-ounce Blue Moon cans, except it's white. and it's a has lighter. This, yeah. yeah, it has this like kind of honey thing going on on it. Um, it's surprisingly light on the alcohol. It's like three something, 3.9, 3.9. Yeah. 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 It, so I, when I first popped it open, I smelled it. I was like, oh, this has a funny, funny smell to it. Yeah. And then I poured it into a glass cause I was like, <laughs> oh, I want to see what this looks like. It's going to look like, <laughs> like blue moon, right? Mistake number one. Uh, no, it does not. It looks and <laughs> smells just like Bud Light. Yes. And it also tastes just like Bud Light. I thought from over here, you had a piss LaCroix. You know, I thought, that's, <laughs> I thought that's what that
1: was. That's what it looks like.
0: So, and that's honestly kind of how it tastes. Like I, it doesn't taste bad. You know, it tastes yeah. like a beer. It, yeah. It tastes like Bud Light. Right. But there's this like tiny hint of honey. I absolutely no orange peel. Absolutely yeah. no wheat. Yeah. Yeah. Vague <laughs> honey. It's basically a Bud Light LaCroix honey. Like, if if LaCroix made Bud Light and somebody and they made a honey flavor, yeah. Somebody's basically
1: like, honey, like you from the other room. You spit out a honey lozenge 30 minutes ago and then drank the beer.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, it's just like that. Like, it's very drinkable. It's extremely light on alcohol, which is almost kind of disappointing to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I know you can't handle the uh, normal blue moon. very well
0: (laughs) i like the normal blue moon fine it's just i was expecting this to be a wheat and i guess right i guess part of the difference maybe that i was not expecting is that normal blue moon is a belgian wheat and this is just a wheat
1: ale oh that's how they got you they took you out of europe yeah so they gave you like an alabama wheat beer yeah (laughs) yeah so so when we were looking when the When it came out that color, we started Googling around to see a picture because we thought maybe it got mixed up.
0: I know. I was like, (laughs) and I kept sipping on it. I was like, this has to be wrong. There has to be something. This can't be what they made. Right. This is Bud Light. Like when the juiciness debacle, when you got like the weird
1: coffee pale ale in your juicy bottles. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it wasn't. It was just bad juiciness. Yeah. I thought this was a similar thing. They would put Bud Light in the blue moon can.
1: It looks like Bud Light. I mean, it's... Yeah. It looks exactly like Bud Light.
0: I mean, I'm not going to say it's bad, but if you like generic ass beer, this is fine. <laughs> it, it's cool. just, I'd much rather drink a Miller Light if I'm going to drink something like this, because at the very least, Miller Light has the lowest calories and the highest alcohol of the uh-huh. light beer. What's the, do you know the alcohol off the top of your head for Miller Light? Yeah, it's like 4.2. Okay. Or 4.3 or something like that. All right. And it only has 91 calories or something. No, it's not bad. Yeah. Miller Light is awesome. Hmm. All right. And not because it tastes good, but because it's high alcohol <laughs> and low calories for a shitty gas station beer. All right. Let's I start. just was not expecting blue moon honey days to be basically honey LaCroix, you know, Bud Light gas thought, station
1: beer. Like I'm so surprised. I thought the presentation of the can, the extensive discussion of honey and clover on the can. I thought you were going to pour that out and it was going to be like a thick, almost whitish beer. Yeah, like I, I thought I needed to buy an orange.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> no. I honestly like I can't tell if I'm happy because it's drinkable or I'm mad because it's
1: not what I want it to be. <laughs> After, so you're like already half done with it. What? Uh, well, it's super easy to drink. Like uh, I find this it's much basically easy. water. I find it a lot easier <laughs> to
0: drink than most of the pilsners. So yeah. that's probably part of it. Like this is super cold. It came right out of my fridge. Yeah, yeah. This does not have that burning back of the throat coldness like right. a Pilsner has. Like when you crack open a, yeah, 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 literally any Pilsner, Coors, M- Bud Light, whatever, right. and you go to drink it, it like hurts your throat on the way mm-hmm. down because it's so cold. When the mountains are too blue. Yeah. <laughs> this does not have that. It definitely okay. goes down ultra smooth. Okay. It's probably
1: the clover and the honey.
0: Yeah, maybe. It's like a lozenge. I feel like I can talk so well. Like my voice sounds very you deep. You seem more nice hydrated yeah. over there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like. I mean, if maybe this is the beer for singers.
1: Oh, yeah. You look at
0: get get a little clover honey in in your, you know, aloe aloe vera in it for your throat. Yeah, you could. Yeah. It's very, very bubbly, too.
2: Is it? Is it like a
0: lot of carbonate
1: champagne bubbly kind of thing? Yeah.
0: When I first poured it in here, I mean, it was bubbles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Are you? So a couple big sips in? is there still any orange or
0: how's that sitting? No, absolutely no orange. Nothing, Still, yeah. it basically tastes like a Pilsner. Okay. With of this vague honey sweet ishness to it. But right. I only really get the honey like in the back of my throat. Hmm. Okay. You know? Like, again, it's not bad. Yeah. It, it, this is just not at all what I expected. Fair. I can't decide if maybe I'll be in the store next week and I'll be like, you know what I need to do? Put some <laughs> of this in my cooler <laughs> for this summer. Have it on the boat.
1: <laughs> uh, We should start doing like a rating system,
0: a rating system.
1: Yeah. Like if you had to give this out of one out of 10, where would you put this?
0: see, I don't feel like we, you can do just like a one out of 10 on stuff like this. Like it's not fair. Yeah. I feel like what you need is like six or seven categories. Oh, you would have to do a different star on each one and then then average
1: them. That sounds complicated.
0: Yeah. Way too complicated. I don't want to
1: make that spreadsheet.
0: Me either. All right. All right. Well, <laughs> that's enough about I'm gonna that. I'm going to give it a four out of ten. Yeah. I'm not drinking it. Um, well, let's talk about some supply chain shit. So, Yeah. Because I, I know we were talking about earlier before we started recording the episode that Jake doesn't know a ton about supply chain, but I went to school for supply chain. So I actually know all about this just from having gone to school. For yeah. Me. So you can show me up here. Well, there's just lots of stuff I know about supply Good. chain that I can yeah talk yeah about. I need the backup
1: okay yeah so like this kind of came out of watching everything happen when COVID happened you know yeah so you probably in your brain knew a lot more of what was happening so from my point of view you know before COVID I knew you know the shit was going to hit the fan a little bit because it looked like it was coming down the pipeline so I stocked up on a lot of stuff I, I prepared and one of the things I did because it's, all you know, living in South Florida during hurricanes, I know the three big things that vanish off the shelves for some weird reason. Milk, bread, teepee. Yeah, exactly. And so... Very much, yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and gas.
1: Yeah, and gas. And um, so, you know, I grabbed those things along with other stuff, you know, and uh, ended up at the end of the day, by the time I grabbed everything, nothing was flying off the shelves. People, you know, didn't even know what was going on yet, I guess. Yeah. Um, but then when it did start happening, I was fascinated by it because it just, in the blink of an eye, all the toilet paper is gone and it was weeks, weeks and weeks and weeks. And it wasn't because just because people were like greedy or, I mean, that was part of it, but the supply chain, like the delivery, there's all these things that happen that cause these problems.
0: Yeah. So there was none coming. Right.
1: Exactly. I mean, so, aside
0: from the panic buying thing where it's like all of a sudden the demand skyrocketed and there just wasn't enough supply anyway. Yeah. The, it wasn't coming back anyway. Right. Cause there was nobody producing it. Right. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So global supply chains are completely the lifeblood of all of our modern conveniences. And if you look around your house, just kind of take a look at everything you can see. Chances are almost everything in your site is from China or trucked in from Mexico. Yeah. I mean, except I know you're looking at the guitars hanging over my head. Yeah. Th- Those I probably am. aren't boated in from China. Well, actually, what do you have? No. Um, the
0: EC-1000 is uh, Indonesia. Yeah. No, Korea. Korea. Korea, Korea. Yeah. My EC-1000 is a Korea. My Epiphone is a 90s, so it's a Korea. Mm-hmm. Actually, most of, I think, what's in that Fender base is American, except the body, maybe. What your Fender is it? I have no idea. I traded oh. a guy a laptop for it, and then nice. I tore it down to the body and completely rebuilt it. That's a bass? Yeah. P bass? Yeah. Yeah, and I have no idea where my Alvarez is from. I think Mexico, maybe. Well, Alvarez. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I have mean, another guitar coming, and it's coming from Indonesia, I think, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. The big Doomy thing. The Shabby. Yeah, my yeah. Schachter
1: 7-string. Nice. But... Looking around at the other stuff,
0: China, China, yeah, yeah, China. I mean, China, almost all of it, China, you know? China, 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 China. <laughs> designed in California, made in China,
1: right? Right, right. <laughs> and uh, that's just kind of the reality of our current life situation as humans, and because yeah. we want things to be as cheap as possible, yeah. Um, but in this ever-changing world where these the storms are getting worse, global tensions are increasing, and workers are starting to really finally realize that uh, that they're getting completely screwed over by their bosses, it's, it's kind of shocking to me that there haven't been major breaks in the supply chain before.
0: Yeah, I think probably one of the biggest breaks is when shit just falls off of a fucking boat. Right, yeah. I mean,
1: you know, sea liners... Roll over all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, that's a thing. I've seen some insane videos of that. Yeah. um So these these delicate chains of commerce can be snapped for tons of different reasons: uh, financial crisis, to trade dispute, worldwide pandemics, to gigantic ass storms. There's no shortage of reasons that goods can stop flowing down the pipeline. And when they do, all hell breaks loose. Fistfights over toilet paper, even with people's mothers. Uh, brawls over gasoline. Mass protests over human rights. Just uh, uh, about 10 days ago, there were fistfights in Asheville over gasoline. There was there was in Raleigh, a guy got a gun pulled on him for gasoline. That
0: dude tried to block us into my neighborhood the oh, other
1: day when yeah. we were trying to get out yeah. because
0: he thought I was trying to get in the gas line and I was right. just trying to
1: go to the store. Like, yeah, we're like, we're just trying to go buy beer. And this guy's like, no, yeah. no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This dude was like blocking us from getting out of my street. I'm like, all right. Yeah. So yeah, people get a little loopy when they realize that, you know, I mean, especially if your car's on E, you know, most people, most people keep exactly what they need on hand to survive and they don't stock up, you know? Yeah. I, I, uh, I dated a girl many, many years ago who uh, we were sitting eating dinner and her mom sent me to the basement to get a can to get a bottle of ketchup. And I go, I'd never been in her basement before. Okay. I go down to the basement and there is this elaborate shelving system with every kind of food. It's a grocery store in her basement. And I go over and I'm looking, this stuff is alphabetized and I'm like ABC ketchup. And there's like 30 bottles of Heinz ketchup. At least she picked the right brand. Well, yeah, I mean, it was just generic Heinz. And, I, and so I grabbed, I mean, it was Pittsburgh. So what other brand are you going to have in Pittsburgh? It's all Heinz. Yeah. And so I grab the first bottle And the first bottle expired five years ago. That's That's disgusting. And I was like, oh. And I start moving aside and looking at the older bottles. Yeah. And the older bottles are bottles from like the 60s. What? Yes. Like 30-year-old ketchup. Stock replenishment. Yeah. yeah, No, she's not fronting her shit. Like she just like... She's not FIFO in it? No, no. She just puts stuff in the back, which...
0: That's hard. That's idiotic.
1: Yeah. And this is the whole shit like... Yeah, it's, it was crazy. It was mind-boggling to me. And the whole family, that was like the dirty secret of the family, and they laughed about it and stuff. But like, what a waste. Like, you're not doing anything with that stuff, you know? Yeah. And she probably kept her normal cycle of inventory happening in her kitchen and then just ignored all that stuff downstairs.
0: Yeah, but that's not how you do it. If yeah. you're a real prepper, you cycle right. all of your inventory all the time.
1: She, yeah, she wasn't a prepper. She was a couponer. So like it was more you like
0: still cycle all right. year. It was more like all the time. <laughs> it was more
1: like success to get that stuff. You know? Yeah. 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 So anyways, yeah, that that was crazy. And so there's a million reasons why this is a huge problem. And unfortunately there aren't nearly enough reasons why it's anywhere close to being fixed right now. So let's jump right into what these problems are because it's high time. People started learning more about this stuff uh, and about how these like fragile webs of service are just dangling around us. And again, you know, we talked about this in the first episode. This is not a conspiracy. This is like, you know, you went to college for this. You know this stuff. Yeah. And because of the pursuit of money and profits, this stuff is basically on the edge of breaking all the time. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's how it's always been. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And I think just in the 50s, we probably had a combination of like lower profits and a lot more stuff happening in the US. So we didn't see that, you know? So like, you know, if you have all of your goods and services made in the United States and something happens, you just get those dudes back in the factory. They start pumping more stuff out. Right. You know, so we'll get into, we'll get into that right now. And so one of the most common ways that goods can stop flowing from A to B is trade disputes. Typically this has been written off as just something that happens and people pay the price for and move on. And one very solid example of this is in December of 2019, Trump enacted a ton of tariffs on China during his little uh, spat with uh, Xi Jinping. One of the weirder ones on the tariff list was shoes, specifically waterproof shoes and footwear. Most people don't blink and some even stupidly said like, well, I'll just buy American shoes. And, you know, good luck with that because those shoes on your feet, the shoes on my feet, without even looking, I can guarantee they're from China don't even have to look at them. Yeah. Uh, it's probably safe. my Nikes are definitely from China. Yeah. So if you're wearing Nikes, yeah, it's a, it's a, I mean, you're not wearing any shoes right now, but sure. It's not wearing a, yeah. Puma socks right now. <laughs> definitely China. Yeah. It's a safe bet because 99% of shoes are made in China and that's not like just like a flipping guess. It's literally 99% of shoes are made in China. Yeah. The shoes that are made in the USA are typically either these like localized hippie shoes that are all like woo, like oh Birkin not even Birkenstocks, but like a couple levels of uh, Birkenstocks where they're like we we lace carbon or not carbon, we lace copper into the foot so it helps your arthritis of your shoe, you know. Yeah, stuff like that is what's made in the U.S.
0: But yeah, like custom made shoes, like yeah, co- like cobbler handmade stuff, like yep. really nice leather boots, leather exactly. shoes, stuff like that. Yeah,
1: and so they're either like this weird hippie marketing thing or they're so prohibitively expensive because of the quality of them, like the high quality, Yeah, that you're not going to buy them because you'd have to refinance your house if you blow out a heel or screw them up, you know?
0: Yeah, it's like that part in Little House on the Prairie where the shoemaking guy comes by and measures everybody's right. feet and cuts them boots and stuff. Mm-hmm. Those boots are now like $4,000. Oh, yeah, yeah. So
1: Realistically, probably <laughs> like 900 But like, yeah,
0: <laughs> still. I mean, you could buy your two of your Miata.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous. (laughs) And so um, even if you look at a shoe company like Tom's, you know, everybody thinks like, oh, Tom's, they're great. They're so environmentally friendly. You buy a shoe, a kid in a third world country gets a shoe.
0: Right. Those same kids are probably making those.
1: Exactly. Those kids are because they make them in like Haiti and like, I think like Paraguay and China, you know? So like these shoes, while they're great virtue signaling, they're not doing anything to solve any of these problems, you know? So why does that even matter? Well, China has a huge economic ding dong to just swing around all of us because they make all the goods. They, they, they have more money than a lot of us. They buy a lot of our debt. And the problem with that is that U.S. and China have been in this ongoing economic trade cold war for the last 40 years. And literally any little thing could set this off in a very serious and very catastrophic way that sets forth a chain of events that could literally just pause trade with China. And then what the hell do we do? You know, if all trade is just stopped with China for 60 days, that's a problem. That's a very serious problem. Yeah. And it'll stop the flow of... Things like shoes, you know? Yeah. So what are you going to do? Make your own shoes? Are you going to like cobble together cardboard? No. Uh, I
0: mean, m- me personally, I have a number of pairs of sure. really nice shoes that right. are repairable. And I, I have. I've repaired them multiple times. Yeah. And that's probably what I would do. I would just switch to my yeah. shoes that can be repaired. Sure.
1: Yeah. And, and that makes sense. And I myself... Have a mental disorder where I own not a real mental disorder, but I own, <laughs> I only own one pair of shoes at a time, really. Wow, that's so bonkers. I go out, I buy a pair of shoes, and typically when I'm buying that pair of shoes, I throw my other pair of shoes away in the trash at the shoe store, put on the new shoes, and I wear those until they're falling off my feet, and then I go to buy a new pair and I throw those away and put on the new pair. It, that's kind of shocking. Like that's it's, just how it's I operate. Smart, but it's yeah. shocking. Like when I buy new Vans,
0: I buy. Two pairs every time. Oh, really? Yeah. I've, I don't, I buy one pair of black on blacks and one pair of black on whites every time.
1: I have, in total, I have three pairs of shoes. I have a really high-end pair of hiking shoes that I rarely wear. Okay, yeah, yeah. I bought them to hike the Grand Canyon, and that's probably the only time I've worn them. Yeah. Um. I have a pair of bare-toe hiking shoes. You know the ones where, like, it shows your toes? yeah,
0: yeah. I have a I've, pair.
1: Yeah, I have a pair of those and that's what I actually ended up preferring. like Chacos, I, uh, but they're an off brand. They're like, some okay. Off-brand. Okay. And um, those were what I really enjoyed hiking in. So I kept, so I wear those more um, and then I have my like day-to-day regular shoes that I wear all the time. Dang, that's crazy. So yeah. I have like four pairs of vans, <laughs> but like on my feet
0: right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, as my vans age out, I'll yeah. get new ones. You know what I mean? So it's like I have a pair of like the really old classics and then I have like my Star Wars original Authentics, then my black on blacks, then my black on whites. But then I also have like, I have like one pair of times. The shoes that I've had repaired multiple times are my Clark's boots. They're the old desert boots, the high, the high, the like the seven inch lace ups. Oh yeah. I have a pair of those and I've had the, um, I've had the sole repaired on them. I have my pair of Nikes that run in. I got a pair of, uh, those fucking things called Birkenstocks, the clogs I wear around the house. I have another pair of Nikes for mowing the yard. Then you have a dozen pair of Crocs. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, I have a pair of bedrocks, which are like outdoor hiking shoes. Yeah. They have this like grippy sole on the bottom. So when you get them wet in water, you can still grip on stuff in the water. Oh, that's cool. I hike in those. And then I have like my dress shoes that I wear for work and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, Yeah. 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 And, and actually, I feel
0: like that's not that many pairs of shoes. Like I have extra shoes right now because I just bought Vans. So right. I have two more <laughs> pairs than I normally
1: have. Yeah. You know,
0: but I'm yeah. about to throw away a bunch of pairs. So it's like, right. I don't know.
1: I usually, I usually go, it takes me about eight months to go through a pair of shoes. But keep in mind, I'm wearing them every single day without pause.
0: Yeah. See, I okay. keep shoes for years. Yeah. I don't. Uh, just, like two yeah. of the pairs of Vans that I have that I'm getting rid of soon. I've probably had them five or six years. Right. Yeah. So I keep shoes a long time.
1: Yeah, it's like my wife, like this backpack I have is her high school backpack.
0: Yeah, this backpack, I have the that red uh, North Face right there. That's my high school backpack.
1: Yeah, I went through crazy amount of backpacks because I, w- I was a skateboarder. So I would constantly crash on them and rip them up. Yeah. And so I went through a ton of back. I had like 30 Jansports in a row, you know, so. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> or you just buy the one North
1: Face. Yeah, you never need another backpack. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the other... So, yes, go back to like, what are you going to do? Make your own shoes? Obviously not. Yeah. And can you produce shoes at scale? I mean, because even if you can make your own shoes, we're going to need 120 million pair of shoes at least, you know? Yeah. Um, And on top of that, the other bigger problem is that we just don't have a factory infrastructure to produce something like shoes in this country anymore because we've been outsourcing it for 40 years, you know? And that's a bigger problem. since we have out it's even like cars like since we've outsourced all this manufacturing we just don't have it would take billions to spin up factories here to start making that stuff there actually
0: are a bunch of car factories here
1: yeah there are there's multiple yeah like
0: bmw factories yeah and toyota has, factories has here. One here. yeah yeah there's a Isuzu, lot of car making yeah. here yeah there is, it and there's some textiles still making yeah. here. Like Under Armour makes a bunch of stuff in in the U S. They do, yeah. Uh, Cone Denim has a bunch of offshoots that make clothing and, and yeah. jeans and stuff like that. And there's
1: a, there's a surprisingly large amount of um, sock manufacturing actually happening in the U S. Yeah. yeah,
0: Levi's has American
1: manufacturing. Like Fruit of the Loom is U S.
0: Yeah, it's it's weird the stuff some of the stuff you would think about that is right. actually still made here. Yeah, it's weird.
1: But then things like like computers and phones. And well, I was even thinking of like lumber or like, I mean, not just lumber, but like corrugated cardboard or like, yeah, you know, steel, you know, all these things like we just don't produce anymore. What's weird is a lot of the food that we eat. Yeah. It comes from other countries.
0: Like, oh, yeah. You think about the Midwest as being this big farmland area breadbasket. Yeah. It's all industrial crops, like they soy. Use, they use like, that shit to yeah. make fuel. Yeah. and stuff like that or feed animals we we don't eat that stuff
1: right yeah when i was a kid uh every summer i used to go up my parents would send me to work on a work on my aunt's pig farm and i would go yeah. up there and you know for the summer i would i would help pick corn and like you know take care of the piglets and stuff like yeah that.
0: well there i would say there's a lot of livestock yeah here and we do we do the meat we get chickens eggs yeah, uh, pork, like pigs. And yeah, all that a lot of stuff. that stuff. Yeah, beef and stuff, bison, a lot of that stuff. Yeah. But when it comes to like, you know, and then when you go to your local farmer's market or whatever, you can get corn there and, yeah, and vegetables stuff. and stuff. But like what you would get in the store comes from Canada, comes right. from Mexico. Yeah, and, I mean, what know. I was
1: going to say is when I was a kid, like we would drive around these farms and you would see a variety of vegetables. Yeah. And the last time it was probably four years ago or something that I was up there in the same area. Now every single farm makes soybeans, every single farm as far as the eye can see is soy. Yeah. And a lot of it is fuel and different things like that. So that's just one big part of it. And so this, another part of it are like we were talking about earlier are hacks and, you know, problems with hacking are a wee bit more serious than trade disputes Uh, With most trade disputes, we do a little fighting back and forth, and then we're back in business because everyone is secretly kind of reasonable about these things, and they want to make money at the end of the day because of, you know, yay, capitalism. But hackers kind of at their heart are sort of like anarchists kind of or at least part of a hostile group or government, and they don't care about if you can get a pair of Nikes or not. What they want to do is cause suffering, damage, make a bunch of money or worse, soften these countries into leading up to some sort of in real life invasion. Uh, Just a few months ago, back in February of this year, there was a hack, a water treatment plant, and we're talking about supply chain as water, you know, water flowing into your home. That's yeah, type of supply chain. Um, There was a water treatment plant in Oldsmar, Florida, uh, a nowhere little town of about 15,000 people. The plant operator was sitting at his computer when he saw the cursor of his mouse start moving around and he tried to take back control over it, but he was locked out and it just started moving and he's like what's going on here and he's trying to reboot the computer and he's watching this mouse just do stuff and what it did was it started going through and quickly scrolling through the commands and settled on the the controls that manage the chemical levels present in the water. The hacker boosted the sodium hydroxide level or lie from 100 parts per million to 11,100 parts per million at low levels. Sodium hydroxide does a really good job at keeping the pipes and things like that clean in the water supply, but at the levels where this hacker set it at 11,100, it does a really good job at killing you. So, this guy was essentially in the process of poisoning this entire town, 15,000 people. Somebody poisoned the water hole. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly but for what real was. and it's not a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, if the operator wasn't sitting there and watching his cursor go through this process, he, he wouldn't have been able to stop this. Like if he was in the other room and it just happened, he wouldn't have noticed that, you know, and all of a sudden the water would have just been going out and people would have been drinking and dying you know yeah there was another
0: one that i'd heard about was basically the same thing and one dude who'd like been at the plant for like a million years was like out there walking around the pools right and he was and he'd been at this treatment facility like 35 or 40 years or something yeah and i want to say he was like standing by one of the pools and he heard it make a sound it had never made before oh yeah that's not normal. Right. And then he went and checked all the levels and it was the same thing. Like somebody had boosted some chemical to be so high right. that if anybody drank it, it would have killed him.
1: Yeah. And then yeah. they were just
0: like, mm, we gotta fix that.
1: Yeah. It's this has happened a few times. And I mean, yeah. you know, with with your knowledge in in both supply chain and your you know, your kind of current existence, it's it's baffling that like these things happen over and over again and people aren't hardening their infrastructure for this. You know, people kind of just, you know, they look at it and there's no lesson that was learned from here. You know, the country totally freaked out for like three minutes, if anyone even heard about it. And they were all kind of just like, how the hell does something like this happen? And then they handed out some thoughts and prayers and then went back to their own lives.
0: And yeah, meanwhile- people
1: like changed their Facebook profile picture. Right. And that was it. They like changed the little ribbon on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and meanwhile, back at Oldsmar, they literally just kind of- turn the computer off and back on again and then went about their daily business. You know, <laughs> they didn't like re harden their infrastructure or do anything like yeah. this. You know, they closed one loophole and that was that. You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, it's the same thing with colonial pipeline. Yeah. They
0: got hacked, shut the whole pipeline down and the entire Southeast went insane for yeah two or three weeks.
1: And you know, we have no idea what colonial is doing to improve that infrastructure, but it's expensive to harden infrastructure Yeah, it's a very pricey thing to do, you know, and and it's a pricey thing to do to take audit of what you have and work with kind of how to make it better. That's pricey also, you know, so it's kind of like with like school shootings where like the questions are all way too hard to answer and it costs way too much to fix this problem. So they just kind of again say, oh no, and then everybody moves on with their day. Yeah, you know, uh, in the end, there was no lessons learned. Nothing changed. The news didn't spend a lot of time on these hacks because it's kind of really complicated to explain. And no one wants to really hear about it because the sad truth is, like I said, it's just too expensive to keep these systems safe. And, you know, that's just enough to ensure that these hacks are going to keep happening over and over again. Um, there's a guy named Joe Weiss, who's a cybersecurity expert. And he wrote the following on his uh, cybersecurity report after the recent uh, Solar Winds attack. He said two of the most consequential control system cyber attacks were supply chain attacks. The first was the Chinese installing hardware backdoors in a large electric transformer. We're going to talk about that um, in part three uh, a little bit. And the second was the event with the Russian solar wind cyber attack. They're both supply chain attacks of trusted suppliers that were not detected by their own IT networks monitoring or any sort of threat intelligence in any timely fashion. In both cases, there's potential for substantial physical damage. Yet in both cases, there's been minimal focus on those control systems. So nobody was looking out for these things to happen and they just happen. And there's such potential for massive death and damage that it's shocking that there's no one guarding the hen house on this, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know. So I don't work in supply chain anymore. I'm yeah. in the tech field now. And I can't tell you how much time, energy, money, and everything that the company that I work for spends on talking about cybersecurity. Yeah. I mean, it's a massive part of what we do.
1: I mean, it's probably a multiple trillion dollar a year industry. I mean, it has to be. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But yeah. and And again, like the cybersecurity thing is one small part of this whole supply chain debacle you know yeah so you know we went through the actual physical part of the supply chain the cyber the cyber hacking and that stuff and now something that we're still dealing with and handling is pandemics you know we've seen this firsthand in the last year where toilet paper these are all these are all real things toilet paper bojangles chicken dodge hellcats lumber nickels all of those things and tons of tons of more were royally disrupted by the pandemic. Nickels N- and yeah. Hellcats? Yeah, Nickels oh and Hellcats. <laughs> also Chick-fil-A sauce. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Chick-fil-A sauce. Well, the Chick-fil-A sauce I think was cuz of the gas, but we're going to chalk that's all part of so- supply line stuff. Um it started with everyone having to work from home, but some jobs just can't telecommute. You can't pluck a chicken from home, you can't assemble cars at home, you can't mill lumber and Is that the right verb? Mill lumber? Is that what you're doing? Uh, But the COVID-19 pandemic upended food supply chains, paralyzing shipping, sickening workers that keep the world fed, and ultimately raising consumer grocery costs around the globe last year. Now, farmers, especially ones raising cattle, hogs, and poultry, are getting squeezed by the highest corn and soybean prices that have been around in more than a decade. It's lifted costs of feeding their herds by more than 30%. To stay profitable, producers, including Tyson Foods, are increasing all their prices, which is going to ripple through supply chains and show up in the coming months as higher price tags on beef, pork, and chicken around the world. The price of beef right now, which I'm sure you've noticed, is higher than ever. The price of lumber is like 5x. Yeah, it's fucking
0: ridiculous. I just fenced in my backyard. It was more than I paid for my first car. <laughs> i'm serious yeah it's crazy it's, it's crazy. fucking ridiculous yeah that fence back there cost more than my bronco that's crazy it's nuts
1: what'd you pay for your bronco
0: five grand oh wow okay. in 2004
1: okay my whole my whole fence in my backyard was 2200 bucks
0: yeah it's see a, that's a half and, acre yeah, yeah and that's my fence is. is only and. 60 linear feet or something wow it's crazy yeah straight bonkers
1: yeah so anyways you know as well as anyone lumber is insane right now and it has been yeah you
0: know? i'm I'm screening in my back deck right now too and i'm yeah. buying all the lumber and we're doing all the work and it's just it's so stupidly nuts. expensive yeah
1: so we stepped away from these factories for months and it literally all fell apart people weren't out at restaurants spending money every day and it fell apart This wasn't just food either. It was advertising and every other aspect of businesses. People were laid off by the millions and forced to collect unemployment. If there wasn't a pause on evictions, millions would have just been out in the street sleeping on sidewalks. Yeah. And we're just starting to see a little return to normalcy here with some pricing. Um, I've noticed used car prices have come down a little bit after this weird nonsense of them being crazy. high.
0: Yeah. Um, That shit didn't make any sense to me. All of a sudden used cars were,
1: bicycles Bonker. bicycles were like 10x overpriced yeah it's i sold an old bike for like way more than i paid for it dang i sh- should have maybe sold our bikes yeah it's crazy thing um but that was a you know a whole year of really horrible hardship all because of this virus and the virus had a 98 percent survival rate And imagine when this happens, when something comes through with an 85% survival rate where 15% of America instantly dies or a 50% survival rate when one out of two people dies, you know, there will be zero stopping this from just ruining all supply chains. It'll be over. Yeah. You know, Um, and I mean, if numbers of survival rates like that happen, the supply chain won't be broken. It's going to be that guy from Mad Max with the hockey mask who's sitting there demanding that you send out your women and your gasoline. Yeah, and that will be the supply chain. Yeah, right? you know? yeah. There's, there's not going to be like a truck coming through unless it's that guy on his truck collecting your women and gasoline. Yeah, you know, that's going to be the extent of globalization at that point. You know, he will be capitalism probably. Uh, so what do we do about fixing it? Uh you know, enough of this like doom and gloom. Let's talk about how to actually fix it. The problem is we can't fix it. We're just screwed on this stuff. You know, the uh, like everything else, the, the fixes are very expensive. And, uh, you know, the solutions that are out there, are not like stuff you and I can do, but the stuff that, you know, bigwigs can do and smarter people that have the jobs doing this stuff can do they won't do it because it cuts into the bottom profit lines and as we saw during the pandemic billionaires got 2.3 trillion dollars richer so they have no qualms with keeping the system the way it is and letting all of us at the bottom suffer because they're making money hand over fist right you know overall a supply chain is kind of made up of a a couple simple parts and there's the basis of transportation and people so let's get a look at transportation and people and see where the problems are there uh, and go from that. You know, one of the first parts that really struck my mind was I've been seeing these ads come across my Instagram for some weird reason for trucking. Like, go be a trucker. Learn how to be a trucker. Yeah. And I don't know why they're targeting me for that because I don't really live a trucker lifestyle Um, and I've never shown interest in it. I've never gone and filled out a how do I become a trucker You've never googled how you know truckers are us yeah no whatever. Never, like like do truckers listen to podcasts how do i get my podcast in front of truckers <laughs> you know, like no i've never like google that stuff yeah so for me it's kind of surprising you know that that i was being targeted for that stuff and when i started digging into it i found out why basically is um so america runs on trucks literally there's two million semis in operation in the united states and somewhere between five and eight million trailers uh, just in the United States. And the, the the truck part made sense. I thought there'd be more trailers though. Um, so with roughly 2 million trucks driving around annually, that's a huge amount of products moving around. And since we're still years away from autonomous trucking, let's talk about those guys who are sitting behind the wheel, and guys and girls, obviously. Uh, we're operating right now, moving into 2021, with 200,000 fewer drivers than last year. Wow. Massive shortage. Yeah. And this is like a biblical proportion shortage. Since there's 2,200,000, you know, that's 10%. So this is a huge amount that dropped.
0: Wow. That's so,
1: yeah. Uh, In essence, trucking has become this extension of the gig economy, kind of like Uber drivers and stuff, the way it operates. Truckers have to own their own trucks or they're forced to lease the trucks from their company uh, for outrageous prices. And profits for the actual trucker, the guy behind the wheel, are pretty slim. They're slim enough that government stimulus and unemployment checks are keeping these truckers at home sitting on the couch instead of in the driver's seat. So they're just not making enough money, and unemployment makes it up for them. So why bother? Right. Right. Yeah. Um, Additional unemployment assistance and stimulus dollars Uh, will stimulate consumption and bolster freight volumes while sidelining these drivers even further from returning to the labor market. So there's a bigger, bigger demand, but less people shipping. A proposed increase in mandatory insurance minimums for carriers, meaning truckers, is going to drive a lot of the smaller players even out of business. And a lot of truckers are kind of independent contractors. So some of these new laws that are getting passed nowadays are forcing them to have higher insurance rates. And because they have to have higher insurance rates, there's even less of a reason to get off the couch and go back, especially now they've got unemployment. They're making more money doing that. Why would they pay more insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Or they have to charge more in their, you know, fee that they would charge as like a contractor, which they don't have a choice in setting. You know, 99% of truckers are like, here's a job, take this, and that's just what they do. You yeah. Know, they don't have a lot of autonomy in those things. Right. Because um, usually they're part of a network or, or something like that. Um, the new administration is planning this bold infrastructure program, which will spur a slew of construction projects across the country that could induce drivers to leave the labor market for jobs closer at home doing construction where they would make much more money. So even less truckers out in the field delivering things these factors and others are going to really really affect 2022 and beyond so they're talking about like 2022 and beyond we could be down 50 percent of truckers you know 1 million of them sitting at home yeah or on these construction sites right Um, While Wall Street is super bullish on 2021, the ongoing pandemic and slow vaccination efforts are chilling out the whole growth sector and the supply chain is trying to jam through all this inventory, but it hits this wall of no one to take it anywhere. The growth isn't fast enough to reinvest in more truckers and shipments. So they have all this stuff to get places, but because they've been losing money for the past year during the pandemic, they can't incentivize truckers to deliver it. So there's a, there's a, you know, fail safe there, not fail safe. There's a failure there. And that brings us to another type of transport, which are our pipelines like colonial, like we were talking about, you know, two days after the colonial pipeline hack of last month, a report from the energy and Homeland Security Department stated that the United States only had another three to five days of fuel left before they would have to start shutting down mass transit and commuters. Diesel was becoming very rare and talks were already being started about how to limit businesses all over the Southeast to make up for that. Um, Chemical factories and refinery operations would also shut down because there would be no way to distribute the things that they produced uh, from the same report. We were basically a few days from the government enacting an entirely new shutdown on shipments This time not due to a virus, but because there'd be no gasoline in the trucks to conserve for future use or use up at that moment. They were just out of gas. And it's not just hacks that are problem that are the problem there. 50% of the nation's pipelines were constructed in the 1950s and 1960s during the creation of the Interstate Pipeline Network, built in response to the huge demand for energy in the thriving post-World War II economy. Some pipelines were built even earlier. Over 12% of the nation's cross-country gas transmission and hazardous liquid pipelines were built prior to 1950. The oldest pipe still in operation is in Michigan, and it's for hazardous liquids, and it was installed in 1930, and for natural gas was used a little bit through 1940. So basically what we're looking at is all of these pipelines were built about 50 years ago and... It's been, you know, 60 years since then. Well, 80 years since then. And they are way past their usable timeframe. Yeah. So the pipelines in the U.S. are obviously of all different ages, but most are over 40 years. And if you take a guess about how long they were designed to last, it's about 50 years. So the majority of U.S. pipelines are around a decade older than their very conservatively estimated lifespans. You know? that's a big problem. That's like another problem we're facing. Yeah. So old pipelines, truckers who don't want to drive, you know, all of these things are building up at the same time. And then on top of it, we've got just people, humans. Finally, the biggest problem of all these is just day-to-day humans who are seriously the worst. Um, There's two sides of the supply chain issue when it comes to people. The first is the business owners, you know, the means of production kind of folks These guys have very specific goals, which is basically to make a shit ton of money during that time frame. And they want to spend as little as possible so their profits are even higher. Uh, I'm not going to go into worker pay because that's a huge issue and we probably need our own show on that stuff. But we all know when pay sucks, you don't want to work. And the real problem is with the business owners is their inventory stock management. So when a crisis comes... They have what you were calling first, what is it? First in, first out? Yeah, basically. So they have they have enough stuff on the shelves to last until the next shipment.
0: Oh, that's JIT.
1: Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Just in time. That's Just in time. Yeah. So stores don't want all this stock hanging around, clogging up shelves and back rooms, and they want to have exactly enough out on the shelf to sell every week. So by the time the shipment comes, they have exactly enough to put back up that people will buy. Yep. So if a store sells 3 bottles of taco sauce a week, they need exactly 3 on that ta- on that shelf until Sunday or or whatever day they get their shipment. Right. This reduces a shit ton of costs by only having this little amount. You've got like storage, stocking, spoilage, theft, all these different things that it reduces. But the big problem with that is when there's disasters or other problems, there's not enough in the store to cover any kind of panic buying, hoarding, anything like that, you know, which is what we saw with the toilet paper, you know? Yeah. So panic buying brings me back to the customers who are also just as bad as the owners. And we're all very predictable until we just aren't anymore. Most inventory systems are totally automated and predict human usage really well, uh, hence why... When you go to Harris Teeter or Kroger or Publix or wherever you live, whatever it is, Piggly Wiggly, when you go there, all the shelves look fronted, full, and well taken care of, you know? Um, It's because it's a well-designed inventory system. But when people get weird and panicky, the inventory systems also get weird and panicky. We saw what happened to toilet paper. People got in fights, families torn apart, all over you know toilet paper when people panic shop three main things happen first it shatters the supply chain and it can take weeks for it to get put back together again second people who prepare get to act all smug because they're like ha 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 i picked up toilet a week ago you're a jerk for not doing that which is what i do and third people who are caught off guard get to look around and call everyone else around them chuck uh, schmucks and complain about it on social media that they don't have any toilet paper you know So, but none of that changes the reality of these empty shelves. Our supply chain is less of a chain and more of a series of carefully placed breadcrumbs that can fall apart when the wind blows or a crow comes down and eats a piece. And the results of that can be anything from having to wipe your butt with paper towels or not being able to find food for your child. It's scary. And a bigger crack is inevitable here really soon. So my advice is get prepared for that. Oh, because I don't, I don't see a future where there's not some major problem because the problems we've been facing up to this point, like COVID, it was actually kind of a minor thing for a pandemic. You know, there wasn't people dying in the streets. There wasn't a 50% mortality rate. You know, we knew what was happening. We had pretty good control of it and still everything collapsed. You know, when the gas pipeline goes down, there's more pipelines around. There's these other means of transporting fuel, but it's still shut down the whole Southeast for like five days, you know, seven days, whatever it was. So when something happens like a hack that takes out all of the pipelines, there's going to be a lot worse problems. And the reality of them happening is getting closer to actually happening than not happening from everything I've read. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I'm wondering, as a, as a guy with a you know, supply chain background, what is your take on this? Is it as bad as I think it is? Do you think that people have kind of more control over this? Where, where's your thoughts on this? So, the thing about supply chain really
0: is it's big and complicated. Right. Right. There's a lot going on yeah and these like the stocking systems that you're talking about right uh they're not nearly as smart as you think they're very stupid <laughs> um and they're not really all that automated either right like it's typically a dude with a fucking clipboard walking around being like wow oh, well, i ordered those last week they haven't come in yet you know and they just kind of figure it out it's a lot of trial and error and spreadsheets and stuff like that, you know, unless you're like Clorox, who's a full-blown manufacturing type system and you do have, you know, millions of dollars in inventory tracking and needing to know how much raw materials you need to be able to make whatever it is that you're making and you haven't, you know, it's like, for each bottle of clorox there's an amount of water there's an amount of ammonia and they know right. that and then they know how much they need and they know they yeah. have all these programs like sap and stuff like that they keep track of that kind of shit. and then they have to have contracts with the raw material suppliers like uh, like clarks probably gets you know they have a contract with the local government for the water they have a contract yeah. with basf for raw ammonia then they have to have storage systems for all that transportation yeah. for it there's trucks and people hazardous material transportation. There's all this stuff and it's very, you know, complicated or whatever. Like as far as like the typical supply chain goes, day-to-day shit, you know, shoes, Clorox, raw materials, gas. The biggest thing that I see failing is the physical infrastructure, not the, you know, and then there's political issues. Like there's no drivers because of unemployment and and, you know, whatever. If we get to the point where there's no drivers because of money, they're going to figure out a way to get drivers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, the people portion, I don't think is the that's thing. fixable. Yeah. But when you, if you have nine pipelines rupture because of a physical infrastructure problem, that's different.
1: Right. Cause it's old or, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and then panic buying is just this like whole other thing, right? You can't predict that. Right. You know, like you kind of can bread, eggs, Milk right. gas. You know what I mean? But again, it's not like there's some surplus warehouse of milk. Right. You know what I mean? It comes from cows. There's no like surplus right. m- warehouse out there full of bread and gas and stuff like that. You know, yeah. stuff gets made, stuff gets used. And that's just kind of how it works, you know? And the whole study of supply chain is about finding the balance. You don't want nothing and you don't want too much. Right. And that is really what the supply chain is there to do is to have just more than what you need to sell. So right. it's like your analogy of the three taco, right? right? They wouldn't have three, they'd have four. And the reason they'd have four is because you don't want to run out, then you lose a sale. If you right. have four, you have just more than what you need and you sell three, then you restock. That makes sense. And you yeah. sell that fourth one first, then you're three come in behind it. Yeah. So it's like, it's more like that. It's about having just too much. Yeah. For the daily usage in case there is like a little bump up or whatever. So you don't lose money on the right. missing stock. Um, You lose more money by not having something there to sell than you lose by having a thing in it going bad.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So,
0: and, and that's really the whole deal with supply chain, which is why there's a whole degree about it. Yeah. There's oh, yeah. schools about it. There's, IT programs, master's and all degrees, shit. people get doctorates
1: yeah. in supply chain.
0: Yep. Yeah, and then there's stuff like Six Sigma, which is what you know, Clorox and the manufacturing uses to make sure there's like low defects in your Dum Dums. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's people who study how many Dum Dums come out fucked up, right? So that they can figure out what system is fucking them up and fix it, right? Right. And there's all this math, complicated math you can do called Six Sigma, where you find standard deviations of numbers of defects and shit like that um, to try to reduce manufacturing defects you know, stuff like that. But, you know, it's everything from literally the guy mining it out of the ground or growing the duck yeah. or growing the chicken or whatever all the yeah. way to it actually getting on your table and there's people there, there's infrastructure there, there's trucks, there's whole plants to yeah. slaughter your chickens. And it's I've a lot worked, of I worked in one of those. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah, I don't think it's as fragile as people think it is. But when something like the pandemic happens, then yeah, you know, if we have full blown pipeline ruptures, sure, yeah, gas is gonna be gone.
1: Yeah, so I don't really know. It's kind of a hard question to answer. The the way you describe it, it makes um it makes the supply chain seem like if you have a hill and water is just flowing down it, you know, you throw a grenade at that hill, it's gonna blow up a little area, but the water is just gonna keep flowing around it and fix itself and and move together again because there's so many moving little parts.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's so many different things you know what i mean yeah. it's like bananas go out of season oh no you can't get bananas for a couple months people just don't get them yeah like yeah. they don't freak out there's apples yeah you know so it's it is this kind of thing where and plus like they'll just come from somewhere else right right
1: right you know yeah because we have the northern and southern hemisphere and boat shipping and all of that stuff all over the planet yeah. you
0: know yeah and now that we have like gmo food and stuff stuff lasts longer yeah which you know you can say what you want about GMO food, but yeah. when people want to get lives. mangoes yeah. year round, guess what? It's genetically modified. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? There's preservatives and shit in it. Um, So yeah, I mean, is it delicate? Yeah, it takes a lot of people and a lot of manpower and a lot of paying attention to it and a lot of very delicate balancing. It's a big balancing act, but it doesn't just crumble for no reason. Right. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah, interesting. So, oh. yeah, I think I read a lot of stuff where people were very panicked about it. Uh, I wouldn't light. be that
0: panicked about it. I'd be
1: more okay. worried about the truckers, pipelines yeah.
0: going down, stuff like that, than I would be about the actual goods not being able to be made. Yeah. On the other hand, when it came to the pandemic, see, that was different. When there's right. no people in the factories, when there's no supply to be made, you know, it's like people steal copper uh, piping out of houses oh, and yeah, stuff. Oh, yeah. The reason that they do that is because there's not a lot of copper anymore right. and it's expensive. Right. You know? But when it comes to not being able to get people in the factories, that's different. Like yeah. one of the things that kept the vaccine from coming out faster was the fact that every single one of these pharmaceutical manufacturing facilities across the globe. Had procedures about what happens when somebody in the facility had positive COVID, and if right. too many people had it or they couldn't trace it back, the entire facility went down. Right. So that's why it took so long to make the vaccine.
1: Yeah. When. There, uh, yeah. Go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying there was whole facilities going
1: down. Right. And in every industry, you know, when yeah, uh, when I when I bought my charger, I was talking to the people at the dealership, and they were talking about how. They only had one Hellcat left on the on the lot, yeah. And I was like, "Oh, I figured you guys sold a ton of these, you know." And they said, "Usually they sell a couple a month, but this was, you know, two months into the pandemic, they said that they're all just sitting on the factory floor, nothing's happening with them." And they had the apparently the next sixty that came out of the factory were slated for that dealership. Wow! Because they had so many back orders and people waiting. Wow. But, you know, they're like, what can we do? The factory's empty. People can't go to work because they're going to get sick. Yeah. And that's part of you it. Know? You pre order and then you just wait. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, they probably wait six more months. Kill you know? your life. Right, right. You just wait. Unless you really need a Hellcat. Yeah. It's the only thing that'll fix things.
0: Yeah. I think during the pan- the pandemic, really, that was probably one of the main things that I was concerned about was pharmaceutical manufacturing. Yeah. Because these same plants that were making the vaccine were the same ones that make everything else that we have to take. Yeah. And if the antidepressants 100%. stop, that's bad. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, so, and yeah, there were manufacturing facilities coming up, going down, coming up, going down all yeah. the time, but it didn't make national news because nobody cares. Right. As long as they can get their, you know, Valium or whatever, who gives a shit if the yeah. factory's down next week.
1: Well, I mean, that would be an, a completely insane thing. If you looked at, if all prescription drugs just stopped. Yeah. What would happen there? You know? Yeah. Imagine it's something like 40% of Americans suddenly weren't on antidepressants.
0: Yeah. All I'm going to not be able to do is sleep a little. Yeah. I just won't be able to sleep. i have insomnia. Yeah. But yeah. Crazy. Other people, the bad
1: way. It, yeah. Yeah. It'd be scary. It gets scary pretty fast. Yeah. You know, and that's a funny thing that like they don't address enough in like apocalyptic novels or books or movies. I want I want to see a version of The Walking Dead where they're all dealing with people going off Prozac. There is one. Is there? I want to. Yeah, the is it a uh, book or a movie? It's a book. It
0: was a book. Uh one second after.
1: Oh, I've I, I I picked that up, and I think I'm like twenty pages into it. It takes place in Black Mountain, right? Yeah, they address
0: yeah. the Do they? people coming off of uh, a prescription drugs thing. Oh yeah, I don't think I got to that part yet. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah,
1: yeah. Huh. that's a good book. It was like from like two thousand nine or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's a really good book. There's a sequel out now too.
1: Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so that's all I've got on supply chain right now. Yeah. What, uh, any final thoughts?
0: Well, thanks for stopping by. No, (laughs) I don't, I don't really. (laughs) Yeah. All right. For real. Thanks for stopping by for part two of our infrastructure series. And we will see you guys again next week with part three, where I believe we are talking about the electrical
1: grid. Yes. The scariest of the scary. Yep.
2: Thank you for joining us for this episode of Brew Luminati. Our intro and outro music is written by Dungeness. Want to learn more about the topics we cover and who we are? Join us on Facebook and Instagram at Brew Luminati Podcast for behind-the-scenes content and updates. Do you have mystical powers of insight or just questions, suggestions, and feedback? Reach out to us at thebrewluminati@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Are you ready to immerse yourself into the inner circle? Visit patreon.com slash brewluminati podcast. For the same price as a cup of coffee or sandwich you won't remember, you know, because of mind control, you can join the Brew Luminati and lift the veil on the true mysteries of the universe. Your membership to the Conclave unlocks access to our secret Discord server, bonus Patreon only content, behind the scenes talks, and much more. Every dollar spent not only helps us reveal the truths of the world, but also frees us to make the show better, weirder, and allows us to go deeper and deeper into the void while funding our next beer run. When we're not talking conspiracies and beer, we're passionate about saving the forgotten puppies and kitties of the world. 10% of every dollar you donate goes directly to the Best Friend Pet Adoption Agency. They are a local 501c3 all-breed, all-foster cat and dog rescue that will save the life of a pet who never had a chance. Keep an eye out because we'll be posting pictures of the lives our listeners save. For more information on Best Friend Pet Adoption, head over to bfpa.org. Join us again next week for another episode of Brew Luminati. We know you will, because again, mind control is real.